Page 16, move to page 16, and then page 18. <laughs> Okay. Uh, everybody say good morning to Bill. 
I went online, I got this printout, I thought it would help to make things a bit clearer, but unfortunately when we got to one of the planes of existence, uh, things got a bit confusing. There was supposed to be eight in there and then there were seven and I couldn't figure out which one was missing. And in, in doing that, I think I confused a lot of you. <laughs> This is supposed to be a very easy thing to explain, but for, unfortunately I'm doing a very bad job at, at explaining it. So the planes of existence, where do, sentient, where do you find sentient beings? <coughs> that's, that, that's, what we're, that's what we are looking into. Where do you find sentient beings? And why are we looking where do you find sentient beings? Does anyone remember? <laughs> why are we looking into this anyway? How did we get through here? It's, Remember? it's important to, to establish the different states of mind that sentient beings are capable of having in samsara, and also it's an analog to what the process of actually acquiring meditative uh, stability. So it's both. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that into. You, you, would you also take that? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. You take that? Okay, we have, we have a second though. In addition, with those uh, things you don't want to end up. Or uh, in this, yeah, and also places you think you want to end up, but it's showing what's sort of not ideal about those places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Uh, we started uh, going to the different realms of existence or different planes of existence, different domains of existence. We haven't quite come up with a one word yet, <laughs> but different places where human uh, sentient beings are uh, are found. Uh, after we went through the 12 links of dependent origination. Uh, the 12 links of dependent origination uh, concerns the wheel of suffering, the wheel of, the wheel of existence. So we went through the 12 links already, so now we are going to, okay, where do you find the 12 links of dependent origination? Okay, what are, what are the results, what are the various results of, ex of, of existence from the 12 links? Okay. Our world, our realm, uh, our, our world, our realm, <laughs> the human realm, the human world, which one sounds better for you? The human world? The, the human realm? Because there could be other planets. Okay. Or oh, the world should be like our planets. specific world. Okay. So the human realm uh, is, is not the only realm, is not the only uh, way that uh, you, can, you can exist. There are other ways that you can exist. Okay. Uh, there are animals that we can see, and beyond that, uh, all we see are trees and rocks, and we don't really know uh, the other ways of, of, of existing. So there are supposed to be these other ways of existing. Uh, the human realm is supposed to be right in the middle, in the sense of below the human realm, the suffering gets worse, and above the human realm, the, the suffering is less and the pleasure gets um, more and more intense. And also, uh, the, as the suffering goes, as the suffering gets worse and worse, the lifespan that you have to experience that kind of suffering increases. And also above that, 
as the lifespan, as the pleasure gets more and more intense, the lifespan also increases. Okay. Uh, we were we arrived. I think wh- where we were stuck was as the the what is called the uh, fine material plane or the form realm, the <coughs> form plane. That's where we were stuck. You have the desire realm, that's where we are, and there that's divided in there are six different kinds of beings dwell, live, make the desire realm uh, th- their home. And the human, humans are found within the desire realm. Below the, the, there are three realms below the human realm, and then three realms above the human realm. Hmm? Two, yeah. yeah. Three, four, five, six, yeah. Five is the demigods and six is the, uh, is, uh, the gods. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's because of that word God and gods, that's what we, that's what we, we, we get kind of a bit confused. Because we, in the West, we have such a different uh, explanation for the word God. And we can't really say uh, uh, angels because that, that probably would make things even, even worse. Okay. Because we have such a specific uh, uh, understanding of those terms, if we were to use them to explain this, we might think of you know uh, we might we might bring our own Western understanding into what is being trying to display here. And I thought perhaps that little explanation that I gave as to why we call a being a god anyway, and w- w- uh, why is a being called a god as far as we are concerned? Uh, I mean, when you think of a god. A God, or just the term God. What image does that bring to you? To you? How do you understand that term? It's greater power. Greater power. Not mm. No, don't, don't. Whatever, whatever comes to your mind, say it. Yeah. If omniscience comes to your mind, go ahead, say it. <laughs> well, in our, in our culture, traditionally, we think of God as having omniscience and being omnipotent. Okay. Okay, now just the word God itself be, without necessarily giving it any specific cultural a- attributes. Just think of the word God. Why, okay, in, in the West, for example, why is God called God? Because the ability to help. The ability to help. Okay. And destroy. And destroy. And destroy. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the, the term God is really referred to a kind of being that's has power over certain things, and human beings. I mean, the only uh, you could say the the main interest a human being has towards a being called a god is because uh, a, a human being, in trying to carry out their whatever they want to carry out in their life, they reach a point where they need extra help. They need to reach a point where other human beings are not necessarily enough to make this happen. Okay, so whoever, whatever can help make that happen, that is a god, or that is God. Okay, so th- I think that is the main reason that we even have a uh, god in, in our in our culture. We need help with, with with the crops. We need help because I need I need a child. We need help because um, I'm about to have war and I need to win. <laughs> okay, 
and uh, we can't really depend on other human beings because this, the kind of help you need uh, is kind of beyond uh, the abilities of humans as far as we understand. Okay. So we start, uh, uh, so those whom we depend on to help us, who can help us, we just throw the word God on them. Okay. And then, of course, there's the philosophical debate here in the West, is there only one God or are there many gods? Uh, so that's, the thing is, the one outside of the human realm who can help you, is, uh, uh, is, there, is there only one of them? Are there many of them? And, and then, of course, you got, you, 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 and philosophy gets into uh, more uh, states of subtlety by trying to describe, okay, what is the nature of, of those beings? Okay. But that, just think of that. Okay? Any being, not a human being, who can help human beings where, where, where uh, the abilities of human beings is, is limited. Okay? So just think of it that way. And now let's go into... Uh, uh, some scholars say that it is, it's not that within, it's not necessarily Buddhist, the cosmology that is presented. It's just whatever people were already accepted and they say the Buddha, uh, Buddha used it. Okay, so that they can, uh, Buddha can teach. Uh, the, the Buddhist, when you get to Mahayana Buddhism, the, the cosmology gets even more complicated. If you think you can understand, you can, <laughs> what I was saying was a bit was uh, complicated and a bit confusing. Wait till you get, wait till you get into the real stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have uh, samsara and you have nir, uh, nirvana. Samsara is what we are looking into. It is mainly divided into three planes of existence. And the planes are higher than the, uh, one, uh, higher than the other. Okay, you have the lowest one, which is where we are. Above that is what is called, just for the name of it, is called form. Above that is called formless. Okay? That is, uh, those at the very top, and why are they at the very top? Why are they called at the very top? Because the, the pleasure... The, they have more pleasure than pain. The one in the middle has less pleasure than one above, but more pleasure than one below. That's, that's, that's all it means. So the ones at the highest would be the one who has the most pleasure within samsara. The ones at the, the, one who's, the ones at the very bottom, these are the ones who have the uh, most pain um, uh, when you compare to all the other beings in, in samsara. Okay? That's... that's that's where the, the visions of higher and lower come into place. That's what, that's what they're referring to. The intensity of suffering or the intensity of the pleasure. Okay? Really, that's all you need to know. Okay? <laughs> now, when you, when you go into, okay, exactly who lives where and what are their names, it gets confusing. Uh, because it, 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 it mixed with the, what kind of consciousness meaning what kind of natural consciousness those beings have to be, able, to be able to find themselves being born as any one of those types of, uh, any one of those planes of existence. The only way to make a, a, a correlation to that within our human realm, within our human uh, form of existence, is to talk about the different stages of meditation that we are able to achieve. Okay. 
above the human realm, the beings who are born there, who find themselves uh, being born there, they live with a state of consciousness naturally, which is equal to the kinds of meditative states that we are able to, we have to work, we have to work uh, to, to achieve. And the higher, the more subtle the, 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 the meditative state, the more profound the meditative state, the higher that being is supposed to be. When you read uh, the sutras and the Buddha talks about meditation, the Buddha is not talking about uh, what, uh, what we are doing. What we are doing is not called meditation. It's called trying to get to, me- to be able to meditate. <laughs> okay. As far as uh, uh, Buddhism is concerned, or as far as the Buddha is concerned, when, when they say, oh, this person is, is in the um, first meditation, they're talking about what, what is already very difficult for us to achieve. Okay. That is, uh, there are nine, and again, again, when we get into the, the describing numbers, getting into numbers, it gets a bit complicated. Okay. We, there are nine meditations, general meditations. Okay. General meditations. And that is something that, remember, uh, if you take Buddhism and you divide it into uh, two main cultures, you will find the, uh, the, north, the north, uh, northern culture and then the southern culture, which is Mahayana and Hinayana. But when you go to the southern culture, remember, don't, don't, say, don't ask them are you following the Hinayana. Okay. Uh, also... Uh, well, I won't confuse you. I won't digress. So, you have the nine levels of med- nine levels of meditation, and the higher the number, the more subtle, the more the more profound the state of med- the state of consciousness <coughs> is. And uh, the different realms are divided really, or you can say they sit uh, uh, within these nine levels of meditation. That's above the human. Okay. The first level is just called the first meditation. The second one is called, can you guess? Second. The second meditation. <laughs> and you won't, get what, you won't be able to guess what the third one is called. <laughs> you almost had it. <laughs> okay. So you have the third meditation and the fourth meditation. Okay. So these are the first four meditations. And the Buddha doesn't consider what we are doing meditation until you're doing the, f- the fourth, the first one. Okay. The first one, and it's not something that you can guess whether or not. You, oh, am I am I in the first meditation? Once when you're there, you know you're there. Because of the because of the quality of the state of your mind, because of what what else is happening there, and there's no mistake in it. Okay. So there are beings who are, whose lives is spent entirely in that first meditation. That is their natural states of mind. Okay. Just like if you compare the state of mind of a human being and the state of mind of a I don't know. Uh, we are guessing, I guess, uh, uh, a rabbit, for example. Okay. You can say that the natural level of consciousness of a human being is higher or more uh, sophisticated. Okay, that probably you, you agree with that one better. More sophisticated than that of a rabbit. Okay, than the mind of a rabbit. 
Okay. And if by some chance a rabbit was able to somehow achieve a degree of sophistication of a human being's state of mind, the rabbit would have to work very hard. Okay? And it would have to do some incredible uh, thing in order to even keep it. <laughs> okay? So that's just a way for you to understand uh, above the human realm, uh, the state of, of, of consciousness, the natural state of consciousness of those beings is naturally in the first meditation and above that, they're naturally in the second meditation and above and, and continue. Each one of these first and second and third and fourth meditation are div further divided into three levels. Okay. So the first level, you have uh, big, medium, and small. The, no, those who achieve the first, what we call the first level of meditation in a big way, that's one level. Those who achieve that, that first level of meditation in a medium way, that's the second level. Those who achieve that first meditation in a small uh, level, that's, the, that's another uh, level. That is within the first realm. So each, each of the meditations is further divided into three. And that gives you the three types of beings in each one of those. Uh, this one, each one of those levels. So the first four meditations cover what the plane that is called the form plane of existence. And we talked about why it's called the form plane. It's called the form plane because beautiful form. The, beings, uh, the, the form of the beings there is exceptionally refined when compared to the form of the beings below us and others. Okay. So you have the desire plane where we are, and above that we have the form plane, and those who, the kind of material, the kind of uh, matter that is there is more subtle, more refined than the matter that you find here. Okay. And when we reach the fourth one, that's where we, we got a bit confused. The first one, uh, not to be confused necessarily with uh, Hindu concept of Brahma, but in Buddhism, the first level is called uh, the Brahma realm. So you have great Brahma, you have medium Brahma, and you have small Brahma. And it's not just one being. It's, uh, all the beings there are called Brahmas. Okay. And there's one of them who's like the ruler of, of that plane, and that's great Brahma. Okay. And this is the first meditation level. The second le meditation level the beings there are called uh, uh, let me see. light. So you have the same way, great, medium, small. Okay. And, uh, big light, uh, incredible light, uh, immeasurable light. I'm just making that name, those names up. <laughs> but it's the light, okay. Light of some sort. And that's because of those beings emit uh, uh, a great amount of uh, light. And ab above that, the beings there are, you can call them uh, uh, bliss, okay? Those who naturally dwell in great bliss, unbelievable bliss, you can't believe how, you can't believe the bliss, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, since everybody's translating it their own way, I'm translating it my own way too, <laughs> okay? <laughs> 
So that so now we are at the the that's the third white. The first one are Brahmas. The second one are the 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 light the the light ones, and the one above that, they're the uh, bliss ones. Above that, that's where we get a bit confusing. It gets a bit confusing. Okay, the in the fourth level of the form realm, there is divided into two sections, two departments. Okay. In, in one section of the form realm, you have still uh, uh, ordinary beings. And above that, there's another section where uh, those who have seen emptiness directly are reborn. Okay, those are the Aryas. Okay. So that's the two main division of the very last, the, very, the highest of the form realm. And the one connected with the ordinary beings is still divided into three. And this, and, uh, uh, this one is not just one, one, one name that they all share, like uh, light or, or bliss. And that's where we got uh, confused. There's great marriage, great fruit, and something else. Unmatched. Unmatched. Matchless. 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 Well, this is where we get confused with, with the names. Okay. Great fruit, great marriage. Yeah, these are ordinary beings. Okay. These are ordinary. There is not to call ordinary because they haven't seen the true nature of reality yet. And because you're hearing that they are higher, or these are higher, these are higher, these are higher, you might think that the the, the kind of the what is being referred to that they are higher in the sense of being uh, spiritually higher. Not necessarily. And it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, uh, they are not spiritually higher. Okay? Is that confusing? Mm -hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> like you enter the path yeah. and you start practicing. And you make you, you, you make you make progress, you make progress, you make progress along the way. And as you make progress along the way, there are certain things that you that you completely abandon that you will not have to visit again. And there are things that new ways of being that you start to experience. Okay. But someone uh, on the spiritual path, in a sense of someone whose whose aim is either nirvana or Buddhahood, that person. Uh, may be reborn anywhere within samsara while that person is making progress. Okay. You may be born as a human being again, you may be born as one of the gods. Okay. Uh, definitely, uh, unless for ex very, very, very special circumstances, you will not be born uh, below human being, unless uh, some special circumstance. Okay. But you will, you will be, you know, be reborn uh, from... Be uh, within the human realm, within the human realm and the higher realm, you, you, you'll be reborn within that, as long as you're not yet in, uh, in samsara, um, uh, in nirvana. Okay. But once you've seen emptiness directly, and yet you're not, uh, you haven't uh, achieved nirvana yet, so you, you are born in that last uh, place uh, in, on the form realm, that, that we, uh, is called the, the five pure, five pure realms. And again, 
it depends uh, on your level of spirituality, uh, on your level. The first one is the lowest one, the second one, and the fifth one is the highest. So among those Aryas, among those who have seen emptiness directly, the one who is like, uh, closest to reaching Nirvana is, what is on the, uh, at the very top. And the very top is called Akanishta, Ugmin, which means below none. Okay? And there's an Akanishta, which is, uh, that's where the uh, yeah, Mahayana cosmology gets a bit confusing. But we're not going to get into that yet. I don't know if we're going to get into it. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever has ever gotten into it into detail. We'll just pick it up here and there as you go along. Okay. So those who have seen emptiness directly, who are now Aryas, who are definitely on their way out of samsara, and because they haven't yet reached nirvana yet, so they're still in samsara. So the place in samsara where they are found, that's the the the, the the five, we call the five pure places or the five pure realms. What distinguishes them in terms of uh, which is uh, superior to the other is the speed with which they are able to enter meditation on emptiness and come out of it. Okay. Supposedly, uh, to see emptiness directly, come out and then go back while, while you're still sitting down and go back and see emptiness directly again is considered to be a, a, a great uh, feat to be, to, be, to be able to do that. It takes a lot of mental power to be able to do this. Okay. So those who are only able to do it only this much who have seen emptiness directly are now uh, and that's the first one and they're called... Uh, not great. <laughs> and why are they called not great? Because compared to the other ones, they're not great. <laughs> See, that's where the, the, we have to be very careful with terms in Buddhism because they're so... Uh, uh, what's that? What's that? You have to be careful as to what they're making the comparison. Okay? Like, for example, when you hear the word... When you think of uh, the way they describe Hinayanis... You might think they're a bunch of selfish brats who, you know, we don't even know why they're called spiritual. People, we don't even know why they're called, uh, they're said to be the, on the spiritual path. Because they're making a comparison between them and the bodhisattvas. The comparison is not between them and regular folks like us. Okay? There is, to become, to, to even enter the path, what is called Inayana path, you're already a great spiritual being. You're not some selfish monk who is uh, going around, uh, no, no, making sure you get everything for yourself. Okay? You have all those things that uh, we consider to be spiritual attributes. Selfless. They are uh, selfless. They have compassion. They have love. And they have, they have uh, wisdom. They have all these things. But when you compare that person to a bodhisattva, because of the bodhisattva's great compassion, that 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 you know, and his compassion cannot be, cannot be called compassion. Okay, it's like a, what kind of a thing is this? Mm. It's like comparing the uh, the light of the sun and the light of a glowworm or something like that. Okay, the glowworm is still glowing light, but when you when you when you're comparing it to the light of the sun, you can't really call the light of the glowworm light. It's it's in that sense. Okay, 
So, just because they're called not great, those on the first level, doesn't mean that oh, they're not great, and for you to start you know, looking down on them. Okay? It would be very difficult for you to look down on them while looking at them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Alright, so the first one is called not great. And the, the ones able to go into uh, that meditation, go see the true nature of reality directly, come out, go back again, come out and go back again. So to do, to do that twice, so uh, the other one were called, uh, I think, matchless. Uh, this, unfortunately, <coughs> this doesn't quite help. But I thought it was going to help. <laughs> okay. Uh, you have great perception, uh, matchless, uh, and the one who, who live in Ogmin, uh, uh, the one who uh, uh, is below uh, <coughs> none. That is, that's the highest plane in in in, uh, in samsara. And the reason it's called below none is because it's not below anything in samsara. And that, I think that's that's four. So we have not great, matchless, uh, great perception, uh, below none, and I'm missing one. Hmm. That's it. Did I say? Uh, Clear vision, clear sighted. Okay, that's the other one. Clear vision, clear sighted. So these are the five types of beings who are born in the fourth level of the form realm. Okay. But these five are the ones who are in the what's called the 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 pure the pure the five pure places. And it's not like they're neighbors, like, you know, the not great, you know, visits uh, the, the, the peerless, you know, every once in a while, say. Okay, and that is, you know, it's like, uh, that's, their, that, that's all, that's the only kind of beings who are there in the not great. The only beings in, uh, in peerless is peerless. The only beings in uh, below none is be, or below nunners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Right, so all these are still samsaric beings, right? That's what we're talking about. Above that are the formless realm beings. And again, it's the natural meditative state. So when you're born there, your natural, your natural state of mind is a great meditative, medi- uh, you're absorbed naturally in a meditative state. The first one is infinite space, and more subtle than that is infinite consciousness. More subtle than that is nothingness. And the very last realm in samsara, I don't know if that's going to confuse you because I already mentioned something when I said the very last already. Okay, the very last place in the form realm that is Ogmin. Ogmin? 
Pues actually, anal o ka o ma gigu na min. It's not an English word. How, however, it sounds to you, you write it that way, okay? It's that mu sound first, right? That's why it's not just open. Yeah. It's mu, mu Because of a pre nasal. Yeah. So it's spelled W. Some people say, some people spell it wop min, some people say op min. And which one would you choose? <laughs> the one that's easiest for you. Okay. And the Sanskrit is Akanishta. Akanishta. How do you spell that? <laughs> okay. However it sounds like to you, however you can write it. Okay. So Akanishta is the highest within the form realm. The highest in samsara altogether, that's, that's the, uh, it's called uh, infinite, no, no, it's not infinite, it's not infinite anything. It's neither perception nor perception. Neither no perception none. nor non-perception. Neither perception nor non-perception. Sometimes it's also called the peak of existence. And that term peak of existence is sometimes uh, used to describe another meditation that only uh, aryas can, can achieve. And that kind of meditation is like a, uh, it's, it's a way for a meditator to taste nirvana. To have, to have a taste of what nirvana is going, might be like. The very last level of, of samsara is, has two, there are two different names that are given to it. Peak of existence or neither perception nor non-perception. But if the two were described the same meditation, then we're stuck at eight. No, 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 no. But there's another meditation oh, okay. that is also given the name peak. Oh, and that's different and that's also tasty. Yeah, so it depends on who's giving the, who's making the list. Okay. okay. Will, when you get to, uh, like, they're not, they're not going to put peak of existence or slash. Or slash no. it's, it's either going to be peak of existence or they will call it uh, neither perception nor non-perception. All right. <laughs> this is samsa. <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're suffering because of <laughs> what you just heard. You have no... Now... <laughs> It's, uh, it's not supposed to be uh, uh, complicated. Okay. <laughs> it's just really just a list. Okay, here's the list. And you have this in this section, this in this section, this in this section. What seems to be complicated because you have so much after you heard the first four or five and then now you're in the, the tenth 
we don't remember where, where they fit. That's why it sounds complicated. Okay. And as far as, uh, you know, when you're about to take your, uh, your boomy exam. <laughs> I'm going to be certified. <laughs> this is not going to be no exam, okay? <laughs> the, Buddha, the, the Buddha examiner is not going to come to you and say, okay, name the 10 levels of existence. And if, you don't able, if you're not able to list them, you say, sorry, you can't go to the next boomy. That's not going to happen. <laughs> You're, taking, you're not taking this seriously, are you? <laughs> Only when you're about to become a Buddha are you examined. <laughs> there's a test, yeah. There's a final exam. All the Buddhas come together and give you a final exam. Yeah. Did you know that? So why, why do you think there's all this studying in Buddhism? <laughs> I'm joking, okay? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to know how to get around. <laughs> when you go in to see Amitabha, make sure you don't end up, uh, you know, seeing uh, Avalokiteshvara, you know. It, it's very nice when you're reading uh, those sutras when, when they're describing the. Okay, now we're into a very colorful form of Buddhist cosmology, it's the Mahayana. The Mahayana form of Buddhist cosmology is very colorful. They have extremely beautiful realms that are described. Has any of you, anyone of you read uh, any, any sutras? Okay. Uh, it might be confusing. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, I started reading sutras when I got interested in Buddhism. And afterwards, I started to read commentaries. Uh, for me, the commentaries were, the commentaries were confusing. It seemed like to me the sutras were very, you know, were very straightforward. And then as, after reading the commentaries, the commentaries started to plant the idea in your mind, oh, the sutras are confusing, you can't read the sutras directly. Because that, especially in, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, I'm not sure how it is in the other forms of Mahayana Buddhism, uh, that's the idea. Like the, the sutras are just decorations. <laughs> you just buy them and put them in your altar and then they, they, that's where they stay they just decorate your altar you don't actually open them and start reading them the only thing that you start reading are the commentaries to them and the commentary is always telling you uh, especially when it's the, the commentary is very deep uh, uh, deep in the sense of uh, this commentary is a commentary on this commentary which is a commentary on that commentary which is a commentary on the sutra okay so this commentary, which is a commentary on this commentary, finally explaining the sutra, tells you, oh, the reason that there's all these commentaries is because the sutra is difficult to understand. So there's already planted in, in, in people's minds, especially in the Mahayana, that the sutra is difficult to understand. So people don't even attempt to read the sutras. And every once in a while, the, the, the commentary that is very close to the sutra, to prove itself, will quote the sutras. <laughs> okay. And all the way, when you get to that last commentary all the way over here, it, it can't really quote the sutras anymore because it has no idea where, w what sutra and what page it will f that will be found. And they, sort of, they end up paraphrasing the sutras. Okay. So that's the, uh, uh, what do you call that? The, the literary, uh, literary, literary culture of Mayana Buddhism 
as if it is found in Tibet. I'm not sure how it is in. I know in in uh, in uh, some some form of Chinese Buddhism where they devote an entire uh, lineage to just one sutra. That that's all, the only thing that that lineage studies is the one particular sutra, uh, to the point where some lineages think that all other sutras are, are either not authentic or they're not, they're not worth reading or studying. Just as, as long as you read this sutra, you're safe. Okay? It, it, and some even go to the point where you don't, you don't even... It, it, uh, to the point of just making it just devotional. Recite the sutra, even if you have no idea what you're saying, you're going to go to be reborn. And this is where uh, the Mahayana, Mahayana cosmology comes into play. You've heard of pure land Buddhism, right? Huh? I think they just recite the title, actually. That, that, that once you get, to the, uh, mm. you get to the 11th century, it was like, oh, the sutra's too difficult. Just the title. <laughs> right? The Lotus, the lotus Sutra. The title. Yeah. So th- that's one sutra. That is uh, very uh, colorful when you start when it's, it's, it's describing uh, 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 what are called pure lands. So the idea of pure land is a completely Mayana thing. You you will not if you go to Theravada uh, countries you, uh, if you talk about pure lands they will not understand what you're talking about. Well, if just now we, we called those five uh, those five. Oh yeah, those are the only pure land they understand. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, they're still within samsara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the pure land that is, is, but also is called as Buddha paradise. Okay. Uh, according to Mahayana Buddhism, when you become a Buddha, you will have your own universe. It's not just a little island somewhere. It's not just uh, you're not going to be sharing your planet with another several Buddhas. It'll be your universe. Okay. The the extent and beauty of your universe will depend on your vow, the kind of vow you made before you became that Buddha. And the reason that you have this universe is to, uh, just like when you describe those who have not yet reached Nirvana and yet have, uh, have gone beyond ordin- being ordinary. There's a place where they're born, and there's those are called the five pure places. So the, within the Mahayana, there is a, a parallel to this, where it's taking out of samsara altogether. So the person is not, quite, not yet a Buddha, but is, is way beyond or, or, or ordinary beings. So where, where do they continue their education? Where do they continue their training? That place is called, that's what they call the, the, the Buddha, uh, Buddha, Buddha, what's it say? Buddha Paradise. Buddha, Paradise. <laughs> Buddha, field. Buddha field. Okay. And you've come across this kind of word every once in a while, especially when you're doing the, uh, the, 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 uh, the mandala offering. Okay. You probably didn't know it if you were reading it for the first time, but when you look at the short mandala offering, and do you look at the English one? <laughs> yeah, all these fields. And the, the, what is translated as field is no, more like a world, not really like a field where we understand it. And the reason it's called field is because when you visualize it, you're supposed to visualize it on a field. Not because if you are there, 
it's just one field. Mm-hmm. So, are you confused? I'm trying yeah, very hard so to confuse. In, this, yeah, in, the <laughs> in the context of the mandala offering, it just yeah. visualizes the Buddha field. Okay. Yeah. So, what does it mean when we say we offer it to the merit field? Mm-hmm. And may all beings partake of the supreme pure Buddha field. Okay. All right. I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) So, a Buddha field is that universe that I talked to you about. Once you become a Buddha, you have your own universe to take care of. And that universe is called your your Buddha field. So, Amitabha has Amitabha's Buddha field. uh, Name a Buddha, okay? (laughs) Uh, He he has his... uh, Tara has a Buddha field, you know... Now, the, what is being referred to as the merit field is uh, uh, the Buddha field you can consider to be the place. And the merit field are the beings who live there. But not necessarily all the beings in one place. It's all those enlightened beings with whom you have some sort of connection. So that's your merit field. So everybody... Uh, so your merit field may be different from somebody else's merit field. And, th- and, and th- our lineage, for example, has its own particular merit field. Okay. So there's the Gilupa merit field, and within the Gilupa merit field, there are more particular merit fields, like, for example, my teacher is not necessarily the teacher of every Gilupa, right? So they have their teacher, so that their teacher will be part of their merit field and everyone else connected to that teacher all the way back to the Buddha. Okay. So that's a merit field. And the Buddha field is uh, your own, your own, uh, your own uh, paradise. Your own... Uh, uh, now what's the difference between a heaven and a paradise anyway? As far as those words are concerned. There's no difference? Well, but, but I couldn't say the Buddha heaven, but even though uh, sometimes I do hear that. Heaven, to me, you know, heaven implies something higher and more powerful, and paradise it implies the bliss aspect of it. It's like a great place to be. Mm. Right? The only time in the West where I, maybe just me, where I hear a distinction being made when, in the use of this term is between Christianity and uh, Islam. Mm. Muslims go to paradise. They don't, I, don't hear them, I don't hear people say Muslims go to heaven. I hear um, Christians go to heaven. Sometimes they use paradise. But mostly heaven. But definitely the term paradise is, I hear, mostly used for Muslims. Okay. So that's the only uh, distinction I ever hear of, you know, West about those two words. Those two words. Well, uh, you can... So... Buddha field, Buddha paradise, Buddha heaven, pure land, all these are the same thing. It's the universe of one Buddha. Okay? It's the world of one Buddha. And when you become a Buddha, you, you're going you're gonna to get yours. You're going to get yours. <laughs> so, so in this text, again, it visualizes the Buddha field to cover that. Mm-hmm. They offer it to the merit field to mm-hmm. the subjects of you know, all the teachers and Mm. And uh, then it says, "May all beings partake of the supremely pure." Mm. Now that's you know language that's different from just visualized as a Buddha. Okay. Now we're talking about a supremely pure. Okay. All right. Here we go. 
<laughs> now, who, who, who gets to be a citizen of a Buddha field? Bodhisattva. Uh, remember, we're making that parallel. Uh, within Samsara, those who have seen emptiness directly but have not yet achieved Nirvana, mm-hmm. the place where they are reborn to continue their training, their practice, that place is called the, the five pure realms. Five pure realms within Samsara. With, with, uh, that is something that is accepted with the Theravadins, the Hinayanas, and the, uh, uh, and the Mahayana tradition. But the Mahayana, the Mahayanas add another dimension to the cosmology, which is the Buddha fields. So where do Bodhisattvas go to further their training? They go to Buddha fields. And depending on which Buddha you have an affiliation with, that's the Buddha, you, that's the Buddha whose Buddha... Uh, you go to that Buddha field. <laughs> You go to that Buddha world, okay? If you have an affiliation with Amitabha, then you will be born in Amitabha's realm, and when within Amitabha's realm, you will make, uh, you will continue your training until you become Buddha. The supremely pure Buddha field would be a, a, a Buddha field where uh, uh, it's like a, 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 an aspiration, where there are no longer any trainers, any trainees. Any trainees? Everybody's a, a Buddha. I wonder what that would look like. Traveling would be very expensive, wouldn't it? And to visit another being, you have to travel a whole universe. <laughs> no, everybody has their own universe. Yeah, a lot of universes. And to you know, to visit your neighbor next door, I mean, you get on a space shuttle or you know, time traveling machine. <laughs> It has to be a wormhole. A wormhole, yeah, it has to be a wormhole, yeah. One day that knowledge will come to us. <laughs> have you ever on <laughs> uh, uh, So, I, w- I was saying that the Mahayana cosmology makes it complicated. That that's the thing that you add to it, the Buddha fields. You, really, you can't really say exactly where they are. Even though when you read the Lotus Sutra, that's I mentioned the Lotus Sutra, it will say, you know, 20 million light years to the east <laughs> is the Buddha paradise of a Buddha named Diamond Head. Okay? Four million uh, light years, uh, they don't say light years, but say uh, as, uh, as many yojanas as dust particles. <laughs> <laughs> As many uh, your your jana is is uh, for lack of a better word, uh, let's say miles, okay. And it's even though it's supposed to be, I don't know, it's bigger than a mile. I guess like five hundred miles or something like that. But anyway, mile, take a miles. As many miles away to the east. Uh, as the uh, the number of particles on as many uh, world systems as there are particles on the moon. <laughs> you get that? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So take the <laughs> take the moon, 
count how many dust particles are there. For each dust particle, make that make that a world system and take their, all their dust particles and that's how many miles away it is. Yeah. <laughs> to the east. <laughs> okay. So, in the Lotus Sutra, you hear these kind of descriptions of, of Buddha fields. Actually, as soon as you become a first uh, bodhisattva, a bodhisattva of the first Bhumi, you get your GPS. You get your Buddha field GPS. <laughs> yeah, so, when you want to go, but you can only go, it, it, it only take you to a certain distance. <laughs> Okay. It's not like global, it's not universal. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be a, when you, and for each boomy you go higher, then your GPS gets a greater range. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so you have to update the software. You have to update the software. <laughs> <laughs> At least annually. Uh, every, every eon or so, you have to update your software. <laughs> All right, so... So it's, that's not so confusing, is it? The the Mahayana uh, cosmology, the, what uh, with the 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 uh, dimension that is added to the cosmology by the Mahayanas. Where does that come into play? After life, the nine meditations that he had. Oh. Or what is the Buddha field and all that? Oh. I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. Okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later because I'm very confused about that. It's just irrelevant. I also have a question as to. Oh. Let me see if I could quickly answer that question. Uh, so there are nine, medi- nine main meditations, mm-hmm. and this nine main meditation is agreed upon by the Theravadins mm-hmm. and the Mahayanas. According to the Mahayanas, the number of meditations cannot be counted. There are immeasurable numbers of absorb- meditative absorptions. And to make it even more interesting, you can enter as many meditation absorptions as you, as you wish. Simultaneously? Simultaneously. But that's only for, that is for high level bodhisattvas. Okay. And you will read these uh, the kind of description when you're reading the sutras. So and so bodhisattva entered uh, three trillion concentrations. And only when you're able to enter three trillion concentrations simultaneously will you be able to perceive a, p- a particular kind of level of reality or a particular kind of Buddha, for example. Okay. So uh, that's, the, that's where the expansion of the nine goes into as far as my is concerned. Exactly where in, uh, uh, the Buddha feels this sort of like... What, what, what am I doing? Uh, inter... Inter, intertwine, inter, intervene, no. Intertwining, okay. You can't really say the Buddha feel is, or mm. look at that, those nine levels that we talked about in the uh, samsara. Just like, you can really definitely say, oh, when the form realm, on the, the five top of the form realm, that's the five pure realms where those aryas are born, right? But you can't really say, oh, this is where the, all the bodhisattvas are born. The bodhisattvas are over right. here. Okay. Um, there's one thing unaccounted for still, which is in, in Mahayana cosmology, which is those who have entered Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Those who have entered Nirvana? 
No, uh, the explanation for them? Where, where are they in, in terms of the, the universes? They're no longer in the samsara. They're no longer in the samsara. They're not in the samsara, so where are they? Yeah. They're no longer in samsara, they're in nirvana. Which is? That's it, they're in nirvana. Yeah. What is there a relationship between Nirvana and, and the, the and the Buddha the fields? Uh, I met one uh, Theravadan monk. Uh, you know, just like in any tradition, there are people who are more devotional in the in the in the religion than you know someone who actually learn it authority. So he said he described Nirvana the way one would describe heaven. Like the 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 the, the arhats are you know they're living around they're walking around having fun in nirvana. <laughs> I don't think the vibhashikas the vibhashikas died out a long time ago. There are, there are no remnants of the vibhashikas there. Yeah. Okay. So th- that's not confusing, right? That would have been the confusing thing. Where where are they? So it's sort of like yeah yeah. Okay. Uh, the other reason I ask is because they're supposed to be able to hear these teachings of Buddhas in the Buddha paradise. Yeah. So they, there has to be some relation, um, you know, where Nirvana mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. although it's not a particular location, to, mm-hmm. to where Buddhas teach yeah. other Buddhas and Buddhas. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, every once in a while, talking about those who are in Nirvana, those who made their last destination on the spiritual path to be what is called personal Nirvana. Okay. Uh, what will be allow them to be able to continue so they can become fully enlightened Buddhas is that somehow because of their connection with a Buddha because of that their karmic whatever a Buddha is going to come and kick them and wake them up and tell them sorry this is not the last place you got to continue working okay don't tell that to a uh, Theravadan. Okay. <laughs> They'll kick you. <laughs> what? An arhat needs further training? Are you crazy? Okay. So, uh, one. Yes. Can you give us a translation of samsara into English? Samsara into English. Or, or the only thing I can think of is the definition, which is not the translation. Uh, the wheel of becoming. The last thing I wanted to say about uh, cosmology, okay, I wanted to make sure that you understood that Mayana element. Okay, So that's one Mahayana, there's another Mahayana element, which is, the, which, is, which is Tantra. So you could say, within the Mahayana cosmology, there are two kinds of pure realms. The pure realm for those who are following what is called Sutra, and the pure realm for those who are following Tantra. Okay. And that's basically, uh, basically the same thing. So in the Sutra realm, Buddha realm, they continue doing sutra practice. In the Tantra realm, they continue to do Tantra practice. Okay. And uh, it, this, this uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, when you're traveling and you reach a point which is not really the, the destination, it's the, 
Leover? Let's just call Leover. Yeah, you're not quite there yet. When you uh, like a yeah. The rest area, okay, rest area, lay over. That, that's what these pure realms are supposed to be. Okay, your destination is Buddhahood, your destination is Nirvana, but you've gone far along uh, on the path, but you're not quite there yet. Okay, so that's where, that's where, that, that's where you, are, you are. Okay, if you're on the tantric path, you haven't reached Buddhahood yet in that life, but you've gone way, uh, you've done loved a lot of. Uh, 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 made a lot of progress so you were born in, in a tantric pure realm and you continue your tantric practices there and everything and the, the thing about the pure realms is that every con- everything in there is perfectly perfect condition for you to practice okay. so I just have one last hopefully topical topic question okay. it's totally bothering me um, with regard to Mahayana pure realms um, it seems to me that uh, Mahayana uh, Bodhisattvas um, trained by uh, being aware of suffering of samsara and by developing very strong bodhicitta and having a connection, in a sense, with that suffering itself, interacting with that suffering itself, being around beings that are suffering so that they can be, so that they can help them, so they can generate bodhicitta and actually help them. When one uh, is reborn in a, a paradise, instead of being around beings that are in samsara, you're around mm-hmm. a bunch of list out Buddha wannabes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is, is, is that a better training? Why is that a better training ground than being born, reborn time and again in samsara, where you can actually see the suffering and it would spur you, you'd think it would spur you to act uh, with, you know, with greater passion and energy, etc. Remember, uh, those places are ideal conditions right. for con- for practicing. Right. Why are they ideal? Is the question, I guess, because no one in those places is suffering in that sense. That they're not. Yeah. No suffering. Yeah. So suffering is the ideal condition for interacting with suffering beings. Oh yeah, th- yeah. As, as in the eight verses. Uh, Inter- that's that will be how we generate this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. compassion, and then we can perform tolma, and we can do other, and we can do other types of practices. And they they do those things from their little yeah from from from, uh, from those paradises. But they, they don't directly they, they they can perceive beings in samsara. Oh yeah, they're not there with them. They're not in. You're saying they can they emanate yeah. to, to samsara places and then yeah. okay. If they're emanating there. Then Oh yeah, that oh, to, to, that's a, a, that a good example. The 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 pure places are heavenly. The pure places are uh, uh, they're, they're sort of like uh, uh, they are parallel uh, to the heavenly samsaric places. But the heavenly samsaric places, uh, those beings who are born there believe that they have found, they have uh, reached the, the end. They have, achieved, they have achieved the end of, of you know, of spiritual path or they re- achieved the end in the sense of 
there's no they believe that uh, there's no suffering ahead of them okay so they, they, they can hang out and do and, and not do anything they're safe so that's that's in the in the samsaric realm except for the five except for the five yeah in the, the in the in the pure realms either Mahayana or the ones that's in the Theravada Mahinana those places are ideal conditions for before them to continue like for example okay let's say uh, uh, okay I'll tell you right now okay uh, uh, I, I give you the lamrim. I say these are the these are, these are the these are the things that you if you, if you do all of them you're going to reach enlightenment okay why aren't you doing every single one of them right now anybody various attachments time yeah. yeah, we we have limitations. We have obstacles here to practice. Yeah. These, that, that's what I mean by uh, places not being ideal, not ideal. Not in the sense of they're blissed out. Yeah. Yes, there's that also. But, <laughs> but you want to practice? There's no, there are no obstacles right. to that. You want to practice Thailand? There are no obstacles to practicing Thailand. You don't have to worry about you know feeding the cat. You don't have to worry about uh, you know uh, take out the garbage. But it would be dependent on emanation, and emanation would be a necessary tool for them because mm-hmm. they still need to maintain contact with uh, samsaric beings. Oh yeah, I mean that's how they gain their merit by right. by uh, continuing to engage in the lives of sentient beings. But also, uh, uh, well, th- that's the distinction between those who are in those pure realms. But there are bodhisattvas also who are born, who are reborn in in, in samsara. Mm-hmm. That was the next question. Is that some choose to be reborn continually in samsara, some choose to be reborn in these, these realms yeah. and then emanate to samsara. Mm-hmm. The question is why some choose one. Because uh, they see it as the best way to help sentient beings. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it's, it's, and it's not so much so that, uh, uh, oh, this is the, you have, okay, this is the ideal condition to become a Buddha. And this is not so ideal condition to become a Buddha. And then the Bodhisattvas are looking at those two things and say, mm, I'll choose the one that's not so ideal to become a Buddha. No, it's not that. No. Okay. Uh, and all, uh, this, uh, this, this is the distinction also I, w- I always like to emphasize. It's not so much that you have people coming into, into Buddhism and there's Mahayana, Hinayana in front of them and they're deciding, mm, which one should I go into? Uh, it's, not, it's not that. Should I become a fully enlightened Buddha or should I become a, uh, somebody who has their own personal uh, nirvana? It's not, that's not that there, there is this choice in front of them. Okay. Uh, if you were born in a Theravadan country, as far as you know, what you reach in Theravadan country in the, in, within the philosophy of Theravada is the highest that can be achieved. Just like those who, are, who, who work hard and become Brahmas because for them, that's the highest that can be achieved. It's not because they think, well, there's all those other greater things, but I'll choose that one, the lesser one instead. Okay. Even though, we, even though you do meet uh, people who, who do that, you know, well, these are the these are these are the great things, uh, the great choices that I have. I'll choose the lesser. I'll choose the lesser one. Okay, because of whatever uh, mental deficiency they have. Okay. But when you're in the, on the path, you want the highest. Whatever you believe the highest, that's what you go for. Okay. 
So when those bodhisattvas are making those choices, some of them make those choices, some of them uh, don't make th- those choices. They just, you know, wherever where, where their karma throws them, that's where they, they continue. Because they see, oh, that's the best way to do it. And uh, I guess within Mahayana, we, the question, same question is asked, why don't all bodhisattvas become into Tantra? If it's supposed to be the fastest way of reaching it's, and again, it's what do they believe is to be the highest? Just like uh, in the traveling countries, they think it's absolutely impossible for anyone to do anything when you're in Nirvana. For them, it's a, it's a philosophical impossibility. It's not because that they don't want to be, they don't want to help sentient beings. Oh, who wants to help sentient beings? They want, they want every single sentient being to reach Nirvana. And whatever they can do to, to, to do it, they will do it. And they are doing it. But for them, once you reach Nirvana, to this talk about you continue to help others, they, they think it's nonsense. Okay? Right. Just like uh, with that parallel, you can say there are those who believe that Tantra, ah, what you talking about? That's not a path. It's not going to help sentient beings. Okay? That's why they don't enter it. No, the, 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 the thing is with the Theravadin is that uh, once you've reached Nirvana and you longer, no longer have this body that's it, it is impossible for you to interact with others. It's not a matter of wanting to or not wanting to. It's an impossibility. Yeah. But on your way there, however many you can grab along with you, you will take with you. Okay. Uh, that was one, thing I wanted, one last thing I wanted to say. Uh, what were you saying? How did you something you were saying that reminded me of something. Ask the question again. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Do you remember your question? <laughs> About reaching a place where you help others rather than interacting. I'm sorry. About reaching a particular you know, a place where you're not afflicted, where you can then help others, as opposed to remaining in a cycle, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cycling in a system where uh-huh, which uh-huh. is so messed up. Yeah, yeah. Where you yourself. Where you yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, well, that is the goal. That's what Buddhahood is. A place where you're completely unafflicted, where you can be completely free to help others. That's what Buddhahood is. This is really the last thing we're, we're, I'm going to talk about. Uh, as a bodhisattva, 
the the bodhisattva who is uh, you can say the, of the lowest grade bodhisattva, the lowest grade bodhisattva goes to pure lands. The higher grade bodhisattvas come here. Okay. Because the higher ones can deal with this. The, the, low, the lower grades, it would be too much of an obstacle. They would they they not be as effective if, if, if they wanted to. Okay. They can be more effective from there than from having to deal with take out the garbage, you know, <laughs> having to feed yourself, going to Whole food. <laughs> that big place making spending all that time there. <laughs> you gotta make the money, you gotta spend the money. when you talk about the picture and you were saying, you know, how does that how does that benefit other people in that sense? I don't even know what all the senses are, but how does that benefit other people? You're saying that some would say that it's not a good Yeah. Some just don't believe in the, in, in, in the claims of Tantra. Just that. You mean, even you, you, your question is, does Tantra benefit? Well, the claim of Tantra is that there are these techniques that if you apply them, it will speed your progress. We will reach Buddhahood much faster. And who doesn't want that? How does it help other? Oh, the the more advanced you are, the more uh, capable you are in helping others. The clearer your mind is as to finding out what's what's the solution to uh, the problem that others are facing. The more capable you are in finding the energy and the resources within yourself to help others. All right, I said that was the last thing. I meant it. <laughs> Alright, so finishing with 16, 17, 26, 27, in that order. So it's wrong to say then that the, that, that the pure lands are the best place to help other people. It's wrong to to say that that's the most ideal situation to help some Yeah, you could say that. To make an absolute statement like that, yeah. But even if you said that the, it, would, it would be, even, even relatively speaking... Um, Definitely, they don't provide any hindrance or obstacles. Right. So in that sense, they are the best. But as far as the being, the individual is concerned, may not be the best. I mean, we take individuals... You say the higher bodhisattvas choose to stay in the muck, so yeah. to speak, yeah. then there, there must be a reason that they made that choice. Mm-hmm. Because... They just love sentient beings so much they want to be close to them. So they're more effective by doing being in the muck. That's an interesting one. I'm thinking, okay, a high level bodhisattva was in pure land and a high level bodhisattva was in the muck. Who is more effective? I would say they both they will be equally effective. Alright, then still you can't say it's the. Okay, fine. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but the high level bodhisattvas 
because they don't have to worry too much about having to struggle with afflictions, it's okay for them to be in the muck. Right. Right. If you say and they would choose to be in the mud because they just love Sinchimi, they want to be closer. Right, fine. Right. So if, if you say they're equally affected, then. Um, okay. Then, then, then Krillin's are not the most affected beings. They're tied. They're <laughs> it's a tie. It's like they're not the, the, by far and away the most affected beings. Tied for first place with uh, staying in the mud. We're, we're going to continue this in the kitchen. <laughs> right? Sashi Akakiro Joshua Nato Tram Rera Before you say that, say the English. <laughs> what did you just say? Here is the ground. Incense and flowers strewn, with its mouth mirror adorned by four continents, sun and moon. Visualized as a good field, I offer it to Mary here. Now you can say that line. Idam Guru Ratna Mandala Gamniriyadayami. Twenty-six. Kewadi Kewagam Sanam Yeshe Tadlokshin Sanam Yeshe Lechongwe what did you say? By the virtues of the 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 of